I want you to know this morning uh, that God wants to run your life. God wants to run your life. He wants to run it his way. And I have other news for you. God can run your life better than you can run your life. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you've never come to that realization. Hopefully this morning that will be your realization. Uh, The problem is in my life, and I have to presume upon in your life, that I want to run my life. And I want to run it my way. And I really think deep down, I can run it better than God can run it. Oh, what a foolish man I am. Amen. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) And here's what I've discovered. Is that God will allow us to do just that. He'll let us run our life our way because we think we can run it better than he can God will allow us to do that to bring us to the point where we see our need for him I don't know sometimes it's the simplest truths in life that just kind of like blow my mind that God would allow me to do my own thing so that I could learn the life lesson that I can't run my life better than he can and to bring me to the point where I realize that I need him (laughs) I thought of this it's a classic story in my brain in my mind in my memory uh, and I've shared it before Uh, when I was about five years of age I distinctly remember and I don't remember a lot when I was five um, I remember being in the backyard with a group of men And in fact, today, if we drove to Wichita Falls, Texas, I could take you to that house in that backyard. That's how vivid this memory is. But I was only about five. I think there were a number of men and my brother and probably there were other boys in the backyard. And my dad was smoking a cigar, as he did in those days. Uh, That's my earliest memories, actually, of my father smoking a cigar. I think probably the other men were smoking cigars, too. And in the innocence of my little five-year-old brain... I distinctly remember looking up at my daddy and I said, could I have a puff of that? (laughs) I'll remind you, my mama's inside. And my daddy, in one of his most brilliant parenting moments of wisdom, said, sure. And he hands me that cigar. I'll never forget it. And I inhaled that cigar. Man, I came up coughing and hacking burning lungs and I don't remember what my daddy's reaction was but I'll tell you the effect of that I've never wanted to smoke another day in my life (laughs) I have bad memories of smoking (laughs) somehow my daddy allowed me to do what I thought was best for me to show me really in life what really the best was In the days of Samuel, the people wanted a king. In 2019, we are looking at one big story. The whole story of the Bible, really it's in 
It's in 50 segments this year. We'll, we'll take off for Easter Sunday, and we'll take off the Sunday from this series, the Sunday before Christmas, but all those others. We are starting chronologically at the start of the Bible, going all the way to the end, uh, hopefully putting it together so that we can see what God's story is from 30,000 feet instead of many times what we see from, from ground level so that somehow we can see what the big picture is, the big story, so that we know how our story fits in his story. Uh, and last Sunday we came to the days of Samuel the prophet. And his story is included in the book of, duh, First Samuel. Uh, the people wanted a king. They didn't want the prophet anymore. And the phrase is, they wanted to be like all the other nations. They wanted to be like everybody else. God, why is it we're the odd people that have a prophet that tells us what to do or this person that your spirit comes upon and he says, y'all ought to do this or that. God, why do we have to be so odd? Why can't we be like everybody else? Now, if I, if I, caused, if I called for a pause right now, I want you to understand that we have seen in the big story that God's intention was that he would choose the descendants of Abraham. You remember why? So ultimately, they might be a blessing to all the other nations. God said, I called you so that you might be a blessing to all the other nations. And you know the reality is, is the descendants of Abraham could not be a blessing to all the other nations when they desired to be like all the other nations. Hmm, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? We really can't be, if we got it back down to 2019, we really can't be who God wants us to be in other people's life if really our deep down desire is we just want to be like them. You can't be a blessing to those that you want to be like. But in the days of Samuel, they wanted a king so that they could be like all the nations. And in Samuel's day, there is a series of leaders, starting with the judges, whom many say that Samuel was the last of, and then you have the prophet Samuel, who's sort of a judge and he's the kingmaker and then after Samuel you have King Saul the first of the Saul, the kings of Israel and then you have King David and then you have King Solomon and we're gonna trace their stories in in their lives but last Sunday we we looked at Samuel the prophet and the last of the judges and the and not the last of the prophets but the last one the last leader before God raised up kings. Here it is. Saul is the first of the kings, and he was chosen by human standards. The second king, David, will be the greatest king, and he will be the greatest king because he was chosen by God's standards. The key verse that links their lives is 1 Samuel 16, 7. 
Uh, it's a classic verse. God speaking to the prophet Samuel. And it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now this is, this is, this is a transition in chapter 16 between the first king, Saul, chosen by human standards, and the second king, David, the greatest of the kings, who was chosen by God's standards. And God is speaking truth to the prophet to say, I do not choose people the way that men choose people. I do not look at the outward appearance, the physical stature, but I look at the heart. It is his character. It is what is on the inside that is more important. God looks at the inward. Man looks at the outward. Hmm. As I studied this, and Saul's life, here, here's what I came down to. And it's kind of, I've already said it, but let me just kind of put it in words. God gave them what they wanted to prove to them what they needed. God gave them what they wanted to prove to them what they needed. God said, you want a king? Oh, I'm going to give you a king. And God chose him. But you know what God did? He chose him by their standards. I don't know. I just, I, I just thought about this this week. It's like, kind of like odd. Why, and I think, why didn't God just to, chose David, the great king, to start with? A man after God's own heart. No, it's like my daddy in the backyard. Instead of telling me that day, son... Smoking cigars is bad for you, particularly if you inhale it all the way, boy. Why didn't he just tell me that? Well, my daddy apparently felt like I needed to experience it, and it worked. And somehow God, Heavenly Father, in his wisdom says, you want a king like all the other nations? Oh, I'll give you a king. And he's going to look and come from the family and have all the physical attributes that you would think. If you were choosing a king, God said, that's who you choose. And I'm going to choose that guy. And I'm going to show you it's not what you need. And so, oh, if we just walk through this, we just have about 15 minutes. But we can do this this morning if you listen quickly. <clears throat> yeah. Uh-huh. Saul is introduced in chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. And last week we ended at the end of chapter 8, and the people said, we want a king. God said, okay, give them a king. And, and Samuel, the prophet, sends the people away. Chapter 9, verse 1. Now there was a man of Benjamin, make a note of his tribe, Benjamin, whose name was Kish, that's going to be Saul's father, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, notice this, a mighty man of power. 
I want you to note that Saul came from a prominent, powerful family. His daddy was somebody. In verse 2 it says, And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. Not just that the boy was good looking, but probably of all of Kish's sons, this is the boy that everyone just kind of gravitated towards. He had maybe a personality, uh, uh, some kind of dynamic about him that people were drawn to. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Uh, Saul stood out, comes from a prominent family. He's handsome, charismatic, surely. He is tall. He is impressive to the human eye. He would have been the people's choice. And so in chapter 10, Samuel anoints Saul in a private anointing. He seeks out, finds God engineers. There's a whole story. You can read it. Probably Brother Barry's read it this week. Nobody else other than Brother Barry and the preacher have read their background passage this week. Samuel the prophet anoints Saul. And it says in verse 9 of chapter 10, 1 Samuel 10 verse 9. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. Uh, When they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. This is referring to Saul. And it happened when all who knew him formally saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? One of the amazing twists in the story is God, even though he says, this would be the person outwardly that you would select as leader, I'm going to instill him with my spirit. I'm going to anoint him with my presence. I'm going to do inside of him a work that he could not do himself. It's not like God just said, listen, I'm going to, the dude's, he's a sorry character. No, God said, I am going to equip him. I'm going to put my spirit upon him to be king. Starting in verse 17 of chapter 10, there is a public announcement from Samuel that Saul is king. And it says, then Samuel called the people together uh, to the Lord at Mizpah, which is a central location, and said to the children of Israel, thus says the Lord God of Israel, notice the pronoun here, I brought up Israel out of Egypt And delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. But you today, you have today rejected your God. Time out. God's desire is that he would be king over Israel. He would rule their lives. He would run their lives. He would do it his way because he can do it better than they can do it themselves. But they said, no, we want a king like everybody else. And God said, that's what you're going to get. But know today that you have rejected me. The, the technical term would have, God said they should have been a, a theocracy instead of a monarchy. God should have ruled them. So he says, but you have today rejected your God who himself saved you from all your adversities and your tribulations, and you have said to him, No, set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord, 
by your tribes and by your clans. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Hmm. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of uh, Matri was chosen. Hmm. And Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. Hmm. This is an interesting story. I don't have time for this this morning. Um, But when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hidden among the equipment. He had an image issue. So they ran and brought him from there, and when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? that there is no one like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. Great choice. We've seen God's choice. It meets our approval. As we fast forward the story to chapter 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 13, uh, Samuel brings them to to Gilgal. Uh, Mallory, this is our map. Can I show the map this morning? You must be a visual learner. Do you like maps? Good. I like like you because you like maps. Uh, These are the 12 tribes of Israel. Gilgal is right there. Uh, The children of Israel had, when they crossed the Jordan River, coming into the Promised Land in the days of Joshua, they crossed the river right there, and they came to Gilgal, and they took 12 stones out of the river, and they set it up. And they made a covenant with their God as they entered into the land. Several times in the Old Testament, when they come to significant moments, they return to the place where they started. Because it reminded them of what God had done many uh, generations ago. The rest of our, I don't know, Mallory, There's you see the tribe of Benjamin right there? And you've got the other key cities that are talked about in these days. It all happens in the central part of the land of Canaan. Okay, that's it. That's your map lesson for the day. Chapter 12, verse 13. Samuel the prophet brings them to Gilgal. It was their first place. And it says in verse 13, this is what the prophet says to the people is there is this public... uh, statement of the kingdom coming about it says now therefore this is Samuel speaking to the people here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired and take note the Lord has set a king over you but here it is if you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue Following the Lord your God. Listen, this is what God says. This this would be Daryl Smith to his kids. That's fine. We're going to do that. That's fine. But I want you to know that that king cannot become a substitute for me, God, who is the ultimate ruler over these people. If you don't serve me, this king is going to do you no good. You cannot use him as a substitute for me. Verse 15, however, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, 
but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Let me read this real quickly. As the story unfolds and Saul becomes king and their military leader and he leads them out into battle, he is successful because God leads him uh, through Samuel's direction. Here it is. This is very important. But when there are times that Saul the king must faithfully follow God or do what makes sense to him, Saul chooses to do what he thinks is better. And so there is a story. I'm going to have to read these quickly. Chapter 13, verse 5. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. The Philistines are the the enemy. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. And people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped at Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. Geographically, you have to understand, this is not in the Philistines' land. This is in the land of the people of God. They have infiltrated into them. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring me, I'm sorry, bring a burnt offering and peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. The king was not sanctioned to do that. That was the prophet and the priest's role. He took matters into his own hands. And it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering. Oh, this is the way it always happens. That Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? (laughs) Saul, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that they did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash... Then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. I did what made sense to me. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall be continued shall not continue and the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart that's a quote about David but it's in the time of Saul and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you if we flipped on the story to 15 and let me just tell this story there's another story in the prophet Samuel They are attacked by the Amalekites. The Amalekites come against them. And Samuel says, God wants you to go and attack the Amalekites and destroy everything. Anything that has breath, kill it, person or animal. 
Saul goes out. God gives him victory. They keep the king, Agag. You can read this in chapter 15. And they keep the best of the livestock. And about the time they've all convened there, man, it always seems like this. The prophet shows up. (laughs) And oh, if you read the story, Samuel says, look, I have commanded what God has told me to do. He was just bragging on himself. God has brought victory. I did exactly what God told me to do. And Samuel says, well, what is the bleeding of sheep? The noise of sheep that I hear. Oh, well. Now, we saved those so that we could sacrifice them to God. And we also kept the king Agag. And if you read the story, Saul did what made sense to him and really what he what he says later he throws the people under the bus well the people wanted to do it he kind of flips his story it's like well they wanted to do that and you think well who's in charge here you're the king but he does what made sense to him and really when we begin to study Saul uh, we see that Saul was concerned about his image And he was more concerned about what the people thought than what God had said. And really the summation of Saul's life is that Saul was not spiritually faithful. He depended upon his natural ability. When the pressure was on, he did what made sense to him, not what God had said. In fact, the story from here on out to the end of 1 Samuel, and Saul dies at the last, in the last chapter of 1 Samuel, the story spirals down. The, God withdraws his spirit from Saul. Saul falls into jealousy for a little boy, a teenager named David. He falls into depression, temper tantrums, and eventually his choices lead to his death. And here's the punchline. Here's what it's all about. Saul's life. That spiritual fidelity, being faithful to God, spiritual fidelity is more important than natural ability. When it comes to God in our spiritual lives, in fact, in all aspects of our life, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, Your spiritual fidelity is far more important than your natural ability. And invariably, when we depend upon our natural ability, what we can do, what makes sense to us, it will always lead us down the wrong path. God wants us to follow Him. I started by saying, in fact, why don't you stand this morning? That'll denote that we're somewhat drawing close to the end of the sermon, but not actually. it's a trick I'm going to preach for another 20 minutes now but you're standing I'm going to consider this entering into that time of invitation God wants to run your life but there's going to be a battle in your life whether you're going to do what makes sense to you or what God has said and I'm telling you what we learned from Saul ah if we lean into our own understanding, 
it will always lead us down the wrong path. God is looking not at the outward but the inward. And what he's looking for in the inside is a man and a woman after God's own heart. God, even when it doesn't make sense to me, I will do it your way. God truly can run your life better than you can. And he can run my life better than I can. But there has to be a point where we surrender. There are critical times in our life where we say, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know, but God, I choose to honor you by doing what doesn't make sense here, but you have told me to do and God will use that person. We'll see it next week. The most unlikely, not from the prominent family, not with the natural ability, but that at a heart after God's own heart. And so, Father, today, as we enter into this time, we pray that we would be faithful and obedient to do what you've called us to do, whatever that is, publicly, privately, whatever it is, that, Father, we would honor you and you would use us because we honor you and we pray this in Jesus' name.